0: Like, I don't know about you, but I'm the kind that if I'm uh, driving somewhere and, um, and, and I'm arriving home and a good song is on the radio, when I pull into the driveway, I, I stop and I wait for the song to finish before I turn off the car, right? You just can't cut it off midstream. Like, it's too important to do that, right? And so we didn't want to just cut off part of that song or the psalm. We wanted to hear the whole thing in its entirety and enjoy it. It was really resonant with the song that Mary uh, sings in Luke 1 that we've been looking at, The Magnificat. And it has a lot of the same themes. And so I thought this is a great song. It, it tied in really well with that uh, song. We just declared where he shall reign forevermore. And it brings us into a recognition of a king who loves his people, who cares for all of us. And what a wonderful message. So um, I want to ask you a question as we start into the sermon today. I often like to begin with a question to get you thinking. Um, what would it take for you to believe someone's promise? What would it take for you to trust someone that made a claim uh, and, and asked you to believe them? Some of you know what it's like to have that trust broken, where someone makes a promise and then it's it's not fulfilled. Some of you know what it's like to be the person breaking a promise. And that can be a difficult thing and very hard to regain trust after something has been broken, right? What would it take for you to trust someone when they make a promise to you? Some of you, you've been watching TV and you've seen like those late night TV commercials. We don't have them in the same way now that a lot of us stream television on demand. But it used to be such a thing as a commercial in the midst of a late night television program. And it would be advertising, you know this product with all these wonderful features, but then if you bought it, it broke on the first day, right? Yeah. Promises aren't always all that they're cracked up to be. What would it take for you to trust a promise that you were given? Well, we're going to be looking at um, the Magnificat, the, the Song of Mary in Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at it today. We've This is our fourth week in a row, but we're going to be looking at it through the perspective of promises today. And we're going to do that by beginning earlier in the story, earlier in Luke chapter 1, where um, Mary is first told that she's going to be pregnant and have a child. So let's get right into that story again. This is going to be familiar territory, but it's important for where we are. So Luke one through 33-33, this is the angel Gabriel now speaking to Mary and explaining what's about to happen. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. You'll remember David is the greatest king Israel ever saw. And he will reign, we're saying this, he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. You can imagine for Mary, this is an astonishing moment where she's given really what would seem like an unbelievable claim. First of all, um, she's a young woman. She's not even yet married. And furthermore, she and Joseph have never engaged in any activity that would result in the production of a child, since there are children in the room. And so she's she's obviously, you know, this is astonishing that you would indicate that I could ever have a child given the circumstances, but more than that, she's confronted with a claim that this will not only be a miraculous birth, but that the child will be great, in fact, the greatest king of all time, to rule over everything forever. Now, that's, that's an unbelievable claim for most of us. What would it take for you to trust that promise, that claim? You can understand how Mary had questions in that moment. How she was saying, Well, Gabriel, like, how is this even possible? I'm a virgin. I've never, there's no way. And Gabriel goes on to explain further. Now, listen to what Gabriel says as we go forward on the next uh, chunk. Gabriel says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. Now listen to that. What the angel does in this moment is he helps her to see that the promise he is giving her can be trusted because of another promise that's unfolding that she can witness. He says, look at your relative Elizabeth. Elizabeth is very old, never had a child. And Elizabeth is pregnant. Six months along. There is already a promise unfolding where God is showing that he will do what he says. Where he will do what seems impossible. God is already showing you that he can be trusted and that his promise will hold true. What Gabriel the angel says to Mary is, look This is confirmation of the promise I'm giving you. It's that another promise is coming about already before your own eyes. Elizabeth is seeing God's promise unfold in her life. Now Mary can trust that the same thing will happen to her. It seems impossible. Uh, Elizabeth is old. She's been called barren. She's dealt with infertility her whole life. She's well beyond childbearing years. I don't know how old it is, how old old is, but old is too old to have kids. <laughs> and Elizabeth is confronted with this miracle in her own life, this growing belly that is going to produce a child. She's had her own visit from an angel, and now she can see that what the angel told her is true because her stomach is growing. And so the angel says to Mary, Look to Elizabeth. You'll see that the promise I've told her is coming about, and that means the promise I'm telling you will also come about. Listen again to those words from Gabriel. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And listen to what Gabriel says to stamp the end of this song, for the word of God will never fail. In other words, what Gabriel the angel is telling Mary and us is that when God says something, that's the end of the story. Because God doesn't drop the ball. God doesn't fail. Everything God says is true. God creates things out of nothing when He speaks. God can do the impossible. And when God says something to us, when He makes a promise to us, that's it. That's it. That promise is coming about. It's certain. It's sure. It will not fail. You can imagine how it was for Elizabeth to be pregnant and to be experiencing this promise unfold within her womb. You can imagine what it would be like for Mary to witness this and be told her own miraculous announcement. You can imagine what that's like. Let's make an observation from What Gabriel has just told Mary is, we've been going through these stories, we've been making observations. The first one is is that God's promises never fail. Now I know what some of you are thinking. I know that some of you are thinking, oh yeah? Yeah, right. God's let me down before. There have been things in my life that I was trusting God for, and He didn't show up. There have been times in my life where I've been waiting for God to act, and He never did. I have had times in my life where I've wondered, what in the world is God up to? Is He dropping the ball? Has He gotten to sleep? Has He missed the mark? How, why am I... If he, if he loves me, why isn't He doing what I think He should do? But that's exactly the point, isn't it? We like to think that we know better than God sometimes about what's best for us. We like to think that God should follow our timeline. We like to think that when God promises us something, that he'll do it in our way, not his. But God actually understands things that we don't, and he brings about his promises in ways that we might not understand, and he brings them along on his own timeline as well. You can imagine Elizabeth well into her old age thinking, God has failed me. God has failed to... Produce a child within me, and I'm now here. I feel like a social outcast. I, I can't, the other women, they talk about their children now, their grandchildren, and I can't talk about, you know. Some of you know the pain of infertility. Some of you know what it's like to feel uh, let down or like a promise was broken. And in a many other ways, in many other ways in your lives, many ways in my life, We can look at it and say, well, we were let down by God. God didn't do what we wanted, but you know what? It might just be coming later than we expected. And for Elizabeth, what she witnessed was God bringing about his promises and his faithfulness in ways she didn't anticipate. She was already collecting her pension. (laughs) And along she had to start an RESP. We never quite know what God is up to. We never know how he will bring about his promises. And from our vantage point, it might seem like God has failed us, but what the story is telling us and what I believe we can hold to is that God's promises will always stand. He will be faithful to them, and he will never fail. We just might have to be more patient than we want to be. I've seen that in my own life. There have been times where I thought, I was in the worst of circumstances. I couldn't imagine it getting worse. And I also couldn't imagine it getting better. But then God did it. He did what seemed impossible. He brought about some new life that I couldn't see in some dead space. In some barren wasteland, He produced an oasis. He produced joy where it seemed hopeless. And I've seen again and again in my own personal life, I'm not speaking as a pastor, I'm speaking as a person... follows Jesus, I've seen him do things that are good and better than I could have asked for. Better than I imagined. Some of you have those stories as well. Some of you have seen God bring things about in a timeline that wasn't yours, in a way that you wouldn't have chosen, but you saw in the end that God was good. That was the story that Mary was seeing in Elizabeth's life play out. And she was recognizing, well, this isn't the way that I thought I would have children. I didn't expect to be doing it by a virgin birth before i married. But God was bringing about something beautiful and good. So I want to take a moment now just to look at how Mary responded to Gabriel when he first gives her that announcement that, you know, God's promises never fail. This is what's going to happen. Now, let's look at the response of Mary. We're going to look at two responses of Mary, actually, in the next couple of minutes. But let's look at her immediate response to Gabriel's words. She says this, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. See, what Mary does when she hears the promise of God, she responds by agreeing with it, by trusting it. Likewise, when we hear God's promise, when we recognize God's promise, and we agree with it and say, may it come true, we're putting ourselves in a beautiful spot where we're going to see that promise come about. It might not be our timeline. It might not be the way we want, but God will somehow bring about his purposes. God's blessing can come in our lives. So Mary responds, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. So the angel Gabriel said, this is something you can take to the bank. God's promises never fail. And she trusted him. She said, okay. I trust you. May whatever you said be true. She then goes to visit Elizabeth. She witnesses with her own eyes this miraculous pregnancy, already in full, you know, growing and full in stomach. And she's able to see that the promise that Elizabeth was given is coming about. She's able to begin to anticipate the promise that's within her as well. And they have this exchange. Let's go to the next slide where we see them. Talking, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Now listen, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. In other words, you're blessed because you trust God's promise. You're blessed because you believe that when God said it, he would do it. You're blessed because you are open to God working in your life. Even though you don't understand it, even though it's hard to imagine, it's different than you would have planned or picked for yourself because you're open to whatever God has said, you're blessed. You're blessed abundantly. You're blessed above all women. And your child is blessed. So when we see what God says to us, when we hear what God says and we respond with agreement to what God is already bringing about, we find ourselves positioned to be a part of God's blessing and goodness. And that was Mary's story, that was Elizabeth's story, and that can be our story too. Let's go to the next slide here. Now we, we see immediately after Elizabeth says that, Mary responds, and this is the Magnificat, her song of praise that magnifies God. We've heard these words, but let's listen to them again. he has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped the servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for He made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. This is like ending on a Mariah Carey Whitney Houston high, high point, hold the note. Magnificat complete, right? Like a crowd just erupts, you know, all to their feet. It's a beautiful song. A beautiful song with joy, just expressing gladness at what God is doing. And listen, she sings it all out of this place where she says, God made this promise to our ancestors, and it's going to last forever. She sees all of this activity as the fulfillment of God's promise in her life, but also within her nation, and a promise really to the whole world. Because what was the promise to Abraham? Well, way back in Genesis 12, the promise to Abraham was that he would be blessed, and that through him, all the nations, all the families of the world would also be blessed. He would be blessed to be a blessing, that he would be multiplied, and, and there would be a great nation that's formed from him. Abraham was also a man in his old age who had not had a child. And God brings about this miraculous birth in his life. And through him, many nations. And so Mary is joining in the song. The promise of Abraham is unfolding in her own life centuries later. The promise that began generations ago is now unfolding within her own womb. It's coming alive to her own body. And it's coming alive to the world. The promises of God sometimes take generations to come about. And that's not the kind of timeline we like. We want to see it here and now. We go fast food drive through don't we? We don't do long waits well. But God's promises never fail. It just sometimes comes about after generations. God will bring about his promises, and he will bring about whatever he says. And Mary sings the song of great joy in recognition that his promise is coming true. That they have looked to this for year after year. But now, not only is it here and present, but it will be forever after. Ah, it's amazing, really, isn't it? And you see what's happening here. Did you notice what's happening? I underlined some of the words in the song. Do you hear how she's singing about these things? She's singing about all of them in the past tense. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones, has brought down princes from their thrones, exalted the humble, has filled the hungry with good things, sent the rich away, has helped his servant Israel, remembered to be merciful. All of this in the past tense. Why? Because when God says it, it's so certain you can bank on it as if it's already happened. It's so certain and it's so secure that she can see victory already. Now, I was thinking about how do we relate to this at a more personal level? I know absolutely nothing about car automotive mechanics, absolutely nothing. When I go to the mechanic and and he says to me, well, Mr. Dickinson, your flux capacitor is uh, depleted and you're gonna need to, I just say, okay, well, how much does one of those cost? Well, you're going to need 1.21 gigawatts, and uh, I'm like, okay, sure. Um, and, and then I pay the guy, and I'm a sucker. I'm sure that I get ripped off if I'm not dealing with a good mechanic. I, I have just no idea. I have no, absolutely no idea. So you can imagine, if I was in my backyard, and I was trying to fix my car on my own, which would already be a losing thing, like there's no way YouTube could help me that much, I'd be in my backyard trying to fix this, just like pulling out my hair, and and then along comes a mechanic. Someone that knows exactly how to do this, they've got the tools, they've got the whole deal, they show up and they say, I'm here to help, let me take care of this. What am I doing in that moment? Hallelujah, it is done, my car is working, I'm going to the store and, you know, like, I've got this thing on the road once again, right? Because it's so certain because of his ability. It's so certain that I know that he can solve that problem. He can do exactly what he says he's going to do. My car is going to be fixed. I was thinking about this. I, I know some of you, uh, maybe you don't remember, but I grew up in the era of Disney's Mighty Ducks, the movies. This is like one of those moments where, you know, like the, 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 one of the best players on the team can't make it to the big game, and they're down 3 nothing, and they're like, oh, we're, we're going to never make it through. And then all of a sudden, like, out of out, the guy comes in with him stands. Everybody's on their feet. Our star player is here. The game is won. It's already won, right? And then next thing you know, like they're all in victory. The moment they arrive on the scene, the victory is assured because their ability, their power is so certain. And that's what Mary's doing in this moment. Mary recognizes that if God is bringing this about, it will happen. She can already see the end. She can already see the victory, and she knows it's hers. She knows it's ours. She knows that the world is going to be made right by this coming baby in her womb. And she's so certain of God's promises that she talks about it as if it's already happened. We can have that same kind of confidence. Let's go to the next slide, and that's just... Uh, this point, this is the observation. God's promises are so sure that we can celebrate now. We can celebrate now. (sighs) That's good news. You know, I heard somebody talk about this one time. They were talking about being in one of those awkward in-between places in life, and they were anticipating that God was going to open a door for them, but they said, while I'm waiting for the door to open, I'm praising God in the hallway. Have you heard that before? waiting for God, but I'm praising because I already trust he's going to do it. He said it, and I believe it. That settles it, right? And so we can praise God now. We can celebrate that victory now because it's already coming about in Jesus. Let's go to the next slide here. This is a quote from Gail A. Ricciuti from her commentary, Feasting on the Word. She puts it this way. Our challenge is to cultivate the ability to see God's promises as already having come to pass. What would it be like in your life if you took the promises of God and applied them to your life as if they were already true? What would it change about the way you live with confidence? How would you act If Even though you didn't understand or know how all things were going to work out, you just stepped out in faith because you knew God has got this and he has got this in his control. How would your life change? If you worked on building up that trust within you and that deep belief that if God says it, I'm going to trust it and it's settled, it's dealt with, it's bankable, it's done, victory is mine. How would that change the way you live? So the next slide. What Mary is doing is she is taking the past uh, victories that she and her people have seen throughout the history of Israel, all the things that God has done. She's taking all that past, and she's celebrating it now. But she's also looking into all this vision for the future, all this future vision that is to come, and she's saying it's all here and now in this present reality. And she can experience not only the victories of the past but the coming victory of the future as if it's here and now hers to delight in because it's so certain and secure. And Mary's song of great joy bursts forth in celebration of God's promise. Next slide. Here's the third observation. God's promises are fulfilled in Jesus' Every one of God's promises comes about and comes to us because of Jesus. I want to take you to the very first verse of Luke's gospel story. The very first verse. This is how Luke begins his story of the life of Jesus. He wants us to know that Jesus has fulfilled the promises of God already. And he's just telling the story. Luke 1, verse 1. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. These aren't just events that happened. This just isn't a story that I'm telling you. He's saying the promises that God made to us in the past have been fulfilled. They've been fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Later on in the New Testament, uh, Paul, who saw the risen Jesus Christ and declared him to be Lord, Paul wrote about it this way to the people in the city of Corinth. I'll read this in 2 Corinthians 1.20. Paul writes, All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. So everything that God has promised us comes together and is focused in the person of Jesus. So much so that when Jesus is still yet an embryo in Mary's womb, she's celebrating victory. Every promise of God comes together and is ours in Jesus. In fact, we're told in other parts of the Scripture that we are, I need to make sure I say this right, we are heirs. And we receive all that is his. In the first service, I said, hairs, And I realized that I'd confused some people because, anyway. But we are heirs. And everything that belongs to Jesus is ours. So everything has been fulfilled in Christ. And when we respond to his promises with our own yes and agreement, then we are, like Mary, in that position where we are being blessed not just for ourselves, but for the blessing of others as well through us. What did Elizabeth say to Mary? You are blessed because you trusted what God said. When you trust what God said and you believe in God, then you respond with a yes, with an amen. And when you respond with that yes and amen, you are a part of that blessing, a part of that story and a part of bringing that into the lives of others so that the whole world might begin to look like the world that Mary sings about, where no one is oppressed, no one is taken advantage of, no one goes hungry, no one is overlooked, no one is missed, everyone is included, everyone has got enough, everyone is cared for, everyone is part of this beautiful That's what Mary sings about That's what we can sing about in our own lives as well. When we respond to God's promises with a yes, whatever you say, God, may it be true. May it come to pass. And I'm going to celebrate it now as if you've already done it because I just believe it so strongly. What would it be like in our lives if we cultivated that? As if it had already come to pass. Let's close with this. Two reflections for magnified praise. For praise that makes a big deal of God that magnifies God in the way that Mary magnified God. First is just a question. Both of them are questions. Are you trusting the promises of God? Are you? I understand. Maybe you've had some hurts in your life. Maybe you've had things that happen that just has made it hard for you to trust anyone, much less God that's hard to see. But are, are you trusting the promises of God? What would it take for you to trust God's What would it take for you to take a step and to act in faith and say, I don't understand it. Like Mary, I'm confused. I don't know how this is coming about, but I've heard it and I want to believe. I want to trust. What would it take for you to take that first step of trust in the promise of God? For those of you who said, yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'm actively trying to trust God. What would it be like for you to trust Him even more? You know that feeling you... You kind of lean onto a stool and it's like, yep, I think it's good. You don't quite let yourself sit down yet. Maybe you're hesitant still. Maybe there's some part of your life where you're still hesitant to trust God. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's some direction for your life in terms of a career or a place to live or who knows what. Are you trusting God with those things? Are you trusting his goodness? goodness? What would it take for you to trust To take another step. The other question comes from T.L. Centerfit. Mary sings because she has new life in her. Are we ready to join in singing with her? If you've trusted God, are you ready to sing? If you've trusted God, are you ready to tell other people about what he's done? If you've trusted God, are you ready to make it known? Are you ready to lift your voice in praise to God? yes for fulfilling His promise. But are you also ready to lift your voice to let other people know that there's hope for them in their own barren wasteland, in their own place where they feel lost and abandoned, in their own place where they feel overlooked and lowly, in their own place where they feel hungry and their needs are being unmet? Are you, are you willing to sing that song so that they would know the good news? Are you willing to sing about the new life that Jesus is forming within you? I pray that you would trust Jesus more this Christmas season. I pray that you would allow him to fill your life with good things. Not because you're looking for the things, but because you're looking for more of him. Because he is And I pray that you would trust him all the more so that you can be blessed, yes, but so that you can be a blessing for others all the more. Singing, declaring, making known the good news of Jesus. That you would experience His presence this Christmas, and that you would take a step of faith today, whatever that might be. If that's something you need help with, or you need to be prayed for in the midst of that, let me know. I'd be happy to do that. With you. But let's uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and how you have been faithful from one generation to another, to another, to another. And sometimes it's hard for us to see where we fit into that story. And it may very well be that the promises you made hundreds of years ago are coming about now for us today. And it may be that you are planting promises within us today that won't be fulfilled for generations yet to come. And yet, your promises will never fail. So help us to trust you, even when we don't understand our part in the story. To know your goodness, yes, but to make your goodness known. We celebrate you, that your word is sure and certain. We claim the victory now in advance. And we know your goodness and blessing and grace and mercy today. We thank you, Jesus, for all that we have because of you as your heirs. In your name we pray, amen.